0: Let's now listen to the Word of God as we read, first of all, from the prophet Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. These words from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. And then these words from uh, the Apostle Paul from his letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at the last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's always somewhat amazed me that the deepest, most beautiful expressions of thanksgiving have been offered during the worst of times. We just read that short little psalm of joy from the prophet Habakkuk. He lived in a time of incredible adversity. God's people were being afflicted by uh, invading enemies. They were experiencing famine in the land. And yet the prophet could say, again, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Apostle Paul was certainly not a stranger to adversity. He was in uh, the... Little town of Philippi, and he and his friend Silas were uh, beaten by an enraged mob and thrown into prison. But then, what did the Apostle Paul do? Well, we're told by Luke in the book of Acts that he burst into song in the middle of the night songs of thanksgiving to God, keeping all the other prisoners awake. It must have, it must have driven them nuts, I suppose. Then towards the end of his ministry, he was imprisoned again, this time in Rome, and while he sat in chains in his bleak dungeon cell, he could tell the Christians at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I don't know. I just kind of find it amazing, I mean, given that all that he's been through… How could a guy like that be so grateful? Come now many centuries later to the late medieval era, to a time when the bubonic plague was decimating one-third of the population of Europe. Can you imagine? It's been estimated that 25 million people perished in the Black Death. There was a parish pastor by the name of Martin Rinkart who buried most of the townsfolk in his village. His wife died, many of his children, and yet he could write the hymn that our choir just sang, that we sing every Thanksgiving. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, in whom this world rejoices. Most beautiful expression of thanksgiving in the worst of circumstances. And then journey now, a couple centuries, to pilgrim times. We have a terrible misconception of the first American Thanksgiving. I don't know, when you think of Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving meal, you probably think of pilgrims in their Puritan finery and some nice uh, Indians, you know, and they gather, and, and there on the table. You have wild turkeys, you have all the trimmings, I'm sure there was cranberry sauce there. <laughs> I mean, it was a scrumptious feast. I mean, we just picture it, right? Indians bringing all their stuff. I mean, was that the American, was that the first American Thanksgiving? Well, actually, uh, during that first year, the pilgrims experienced the worst kind of misfortune. Most of their company died. The winter was unbearably cold. The spring was unusually dry so that all the crops failed. There was very little to eat. I mean, they were at the end of their rope when all of a sudden a ship came from England with supplies. And it was only then that, well, it was then that that Governor William Bradford uh, Decreed that they should all celebrate have a Thanksgiving feast, but even that first Thanksgiving feast was very, very meager. But it was Thanksgiving, really, in the in the worst of circumstances. And then, what? A little bit later, eighteen sixty-three. Abraham Lincoln issued the first national Thanksgiving proclamation in the middle of the Civil War of all things, the worst period in American history. And Lincoln told the nation, in the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and poverty and severity, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as the day of Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father." So now how is it possible for Habakkuk and the Apostle Paul and Martin Rinkart, and the pilgrims and Abraham Lincoln, how is it possible to find it within their hearts to express gratitude to God and find such joy and strength to hold on to and to hold out in the worst of times? What was their secret? I mean, wouldn't you think, given their adversities, that they would be driven to despair and they would bemoan their lot? Wouldn't you think that the hard knocks of life would make them hard, thankless, bitter people? What was their secret? Well, they chose to be grateful. They chose the attitude of gratitude. And the fact is, we have a choice every day regarding our attitude towards life. A man once said to his friend who was really sick, this terrible condition you find yourself in must certainly have colored your life. And his sick friend replied, it was simple and courageous, yeah, he said, it's colored my life, but I chose the color. He chose His attitude couldn't change the circumstances, but he could choose the means by which he approached that situation. Charles Swindoll says this about her attitude. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skills. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. And he says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. We may not be able to change the outward circumstances of our lives, but we can choose, consciously change our attitude. And we can do that by consciously looking for what is good, and true, and beautiful in our lives. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Swedish proverb says, those who wish to sing can always find a song. The uh, choice to be grateful uh, is apparent in an elderly woman who wrote in her diary. She says, My body sometimes feels sore, but it works. I don't sleep well most nights, but I do wake up to experience another day. My wallet is not full, but my stomach is. I don't have all the things I've ever wanted, but I do have everything I need. I'm thankful. Because although my life is by no means perfect, it is my life, and I choose to be thankful in it as I continue to do the best I can. And so as we think about our many blessings, how rich we really are, actually, even in the midst of difficult times, troubling times, our attitude, our gratitude will grow, and we'll find that the good things far outweigh the bad. The attitude of gratitude benefits us in many ways. For one thing, it gives us needed perspective. Somebody shared this with me, things I'm thankful for. The mess to clean after a party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. The taxes I pay because it means that I'm employed. The clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. A lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. My huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. The alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means that I'm alive. The lady behind me in church who sings off key because it means that I can hear. piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby, weariness and aching muscles at the end of the day because it means I've been productive, the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking, all the complaining I hear about our government because it means we have freedom of speech. You think about your blessings, it gives you perspective, doesn't it? Needed perspective. There was a Dear Abby column that read, Dear Abby, happiness is knowing your parents won't kill you if you come home a little late. Happiness is having your own bedroom. Happiness is getting the telephone call you've been praying for. Happiness is something I don't have. And it was signed, healthy, but unhappy and ungrateful. A few days later, a second letter said, Dear Abby, happiness is being able to walk. Happiness is being able to talk. Happiness is being able to see. Happiness is being able to hear. Unhappiness is reading a letter from a 15-year-old who can do all those things, and still she says that she's unhappy. I can talk, I can see, I can hear, but I can't walk. Signed, 13, and happy and grateful for life. The attitude of gratitude gives us needed perspective on life. And those who choose the attitude of gratitude are simply happier people. They are less stressed. They are less depressed. People who are grateful are more satisfied in their relationships with family and friends. They feel more in control of their lives. They have a higher sense of self-esteem. Cope better when times are tough. Grateful people are healthier people. Someone has said that good health is not just the absence of symptoms, it is the beating of the thankful heart. I like the, the story of the immigrant shopkeeper whose son came to see him one day complaining. Dad, I don't understand how you run this store. You keep your accounts payable in a cigar box. Your accounts receivable are on a spindle. All your cash is in the register. You you never know what your profits are. And the man turned to his son and said, Son, let me tell you something. When I arrived in this land, all I had were the pants that I was wearing. Now your sister is an art teacher, your brother is a doctor, and you're a CPA. Your mother and I own a house and a car and this little store. Add all that up, Subtract the pants, and there's your profit. (laughs) Now, there's a faithful guy. (laughs) A truly healthy person has a sense of gratitude for any and all good fortune, never takes it for granted. He or she recognizes it as a gift from God. They add up their blessings and find that they far outweigh the negatives. Praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with joy and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. And as we focus on all the blessings of our life, we cannot help but acknowledge that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, the source of our joy, the supplier of our every need. The Apostle Paul was able to rejoice. He could be thankful in prison of all places because he knew God. The Lord is near, he says. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance, good or bad. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. No wonder the Apostle Paul could have such joy and such confidence and cultivate such a grateful spirit. He was thankful for the presence of Christ in his life. And in the end, that's all he needed. Now some of us, as we look back over the years, we're counting our blessings now, Thanksgiving, Hopefully wouldn't know I'm preaching this. It ought to be something we do every day counting our blessings. But as you look at the past year, some of you have done really well. It's been a great year. That's wonderful. I mean, thank God for your blessings. They should be enjoyed, whatever they are. But I also know that some of you have had a very difficult year. You know, you're dealing with, uh, with illness. Maybe there's been a death in the family. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're having relationship difficulties, going through a divorce or going to counseling or or what have you. And it it may be so very easy to kind of become bitter and resentful. And that just takes you down. It takes you down. You start sinking. how much better it is to think about all that is good and true and beautiful in your life, despite the setbacks, despite the trials and tribulations, which we all face because we're all human beings. You know, it is dangerous being a human being. It is. So, some of us may may not, maybe... Don't have much to be thankful for, and maybe you're kind of bitter that you haven't been getting your fair share of blessings. Well, what, what would your fair share be? <laughs> I mean, what's guaranteed, right, <laughs> in this life? But you know what? We can choose the attitude of gratitude. Again, we can focus on all that's good and beautiful in our lives and let our hearts rejoice in the knowledge that if we have God, if God in Christ is at the very center of our lives, then truly, that is all we need, amen.